Section 43 of Unbeaten Tracks in Japan by Isabella L. Bird. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Avai in September 2012. Letter 35, Part 2. Sarufuto. No, nature has no discords. This morning, to the far horizon, diamond-flashing blue water shimmered in perfect peace, outlined by a line of surf which broke lazily on a beach scarcely less snowy than itself. The deep, perfect blue of the sky was only broken by a few radiant white clouds, whose shadows trailed slowly over the plain, on whose broad bosom a thousand corollas, in the glory of their brief but passionate life, were drinking in the sunshine wavy ranges slept in depths of indigo and higher hills beyond were painted in faint blue on the dreamy sky even the few grey houses of yubetsu were spiritualized into harmony by a faint blue veil which was not a mist and the loud croak of the loquacious and impertinent crows had a cheeriness about it a hearty mockery which i liked above all i had a horse so good that he was always trying to run away and galloped so lightly over the flowery grass that i rode the seventeen miles here with great enjoyment truly a good horse good ground to gallop on and sunshine make up the sum of enjoyable travelling the discord in the general harmony was produced by the sight of the ainos a harmless people without the instinct of progress descending to that vast tomb of conquered and unknown races which has opened to receive so many before them a mounted policeman started with us from yubetsu and rode the whole way here keeping exactly to my pace but never speaking a word we forded one broad deep river and crossed another partly by fording and partling in a scow after which the track left the level and after passing through reedy grass as high as the horse's ears went for some miles up and downhill through woods composed entirely of the ailanthus glandulosus with leaves much riddled by the mountain silkworm and a ferny undergrowth of the familiar pteris aquilina the deep shade and glancing lights of this open copsewood were very pleasant and as the horse tripped gaily up and down the little hills and the sea murmur mingled with the rustle of the breeze and a glint of white surf sometimes flashed through the greenery and dragonflies and butterflies in suits of crimson and black velvet crossed the path continually like living flashes of light i was reminded somewhat though faintly of windward hawaii we emerged upon an aino hut and a beautiful placid river and two Ainos ferried the four people and horses across in a scow, the third wading to guide the boat. They wore no clothing, but only one was hairy. They were superb-looking men, gentle and extremely courteous, handing me in and out of the boat, and holding the stirrup while I mounted, with much natural grace. On leaving, they extended their arms and waved their hands inwards twice, stroking their grand beards afterwards, which is their usual salutation. A short distance over Shingle brought us to this Japanese village of sixty-three houses, a colonization settlement, mainly of samurai from the province of Sendai, who are raising very fine crops on the sandy soil. The mountains, twelve miles in the interior, 
have a large Aino population, and a few Ainos live near this village and are held in great contempt by its inhabitants. My room is on the village street, and, as it is too warm to close the shoji, the aborigines stand looking in at the lattice hour after hour. A short time ago Mr. von Siebold and Count Diesbach galloped up on their return from Biratori, the Aino village to which I am going, and Count Diesbach, throwing himself from his horse, rushed up to me with the exclamation, Les puces! Les puces! They have brought down with them the chief, Benri, a superb but dissipated-looking savage. Mr. von Siebold called on me this evening, and I envied him his fresh, clean clothing as much as he envied me my stretcher and mosquito-net. They have suffered terribly from fleas, mosquitoes, and general discomfort, and are much exhausted. But Mr. von Siebold thinks that, in spite of all, a visit to the mountain Ainos is worth a long journey. As I had expected, they have completely failed in their explorations, and have been deserted by Lieutenant Kreitner. I asked Mr. von Siebold to speak to Ito, in Japanese, about the importance of being kind and courteous to the Ainos, whose hospitality I shall receive, and Ito is very indignant at this. Treat Ainos politely, he says. They're just dogs, not men. And since he has regaled me with all the scandal concerning them which he has been able to rake together in the village. We have to take not only food for both Ito and myself, but cooking utensils. I have been introduced to Benri, the chief, and though he does not return for a day or two, he will send a message along with us which will ensure me hospitality. I. L. B. End of section 43